0: Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the working that is Chrononaut Chronicles. My name is Bill. I will be your host for this particular Sonic adventure. The show is sponsored by MysticalWares.com. That's Derek Condit's store. Uh, He is not with us today. I have just one other Chrononaut with me later, and that is Ben. And we will hear from Ben in just a few minutes. And before that, though, I do like to glance at the old. Farmer's Almanac for the upcoming week. Before we get started, just so uh, we can point out these different energies that are moving around, and uh, be be aware of them, and hopefully work with them if we want to, and capitalize on the the different flavors of the week that we're running into or going to come up with with uh, this coming this coming week. So uh, not a whole lot going on actually, just uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday is the Moon and Jupiter as a conjunction, and Wednesday is Moon and Uranus. So that's pretty much all that uh, the Farmer's Almanac has in store for us this week. And uh, moving on from there, we go into the, the gratitude segment. And the the goal behind this segment, sorry, the goal behind the gratitude segment, is to hopefully uh, make this more than just an exercise a once in a week exercise right we don't come on here uh just to uh, just for the heck of it to talk about you know things that we love just to do it and and to put it out there and not have a purpose behind it the purpose is to uh, make the heart and brain connection and keep that coherence going as we as we go about our week and then we check back in here on mondays and talk about more gratitude that's how we keep it keep the wheel of gratitude going Speaking of wheels and wheels of fortune, that just reminded me of tarot, and it's that's my my gratitude this week. And Ben and I have been talking a lot about tarot recently. And believe it or not, I started up the uh, card a day practice. That's something that I did for a while when I first started thirteen questions. Ben actually gave me my first tarot deck, so thank you, Ben. <laughs> and uh, we were we were talking earlier this week about pentacles. The the last episode I published the the, uh, the title of it was pentangle and uh, I've been getting a lot of pentacles on my tarot cards since then so that's been a little nugget that I just connected then before we started recording so uh Ben thank you for being here uh and what oh, first of all how are you and what are you and what are you grateful for
1: yeah i'm doing good um and thanks for opening the space again uh i'm grateful today for uh just those those small synchros from the universe uh letting you know you're on the right path a lot of repeating numbers lately i uh sort of splurged and bent towards gluttony today at lunch but I've been working really hard, moving a lot of hay bales. Uh, the body was sort of uh, pushing me towards for some junk food, but I went ahead and, and you know got the large fry and, and a chocolate shake on top. And uh, the total was a repeating number, so you know, just a nice little wink, like universe approves of. Uh you know, take not just taking care of yourself, but like a little comfort food, right? And I needed the fat, the salt after a hot day in the field. So it was been having a lot of those lately, so I'm just grateful that I'm uh able to notice it, acknowledge it, you know, and stay in the flow.
0: Was the repeating number seven by chance?
1: Uh no, the the total was Eighteen, nineteen, I think. So, oh, okay. hmm. Yeah, the. Uh, I didn't look. I didn't look it up. I just ran with it.
0: Oh, it's fine. <laughs> it just reminds me of <laughs> like, what? Oh yeah, that the 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 repeating number, the seven on seven seven, this past week. So it's old news. Hmm we've been in the new business section yet but old news the uh i have a picture of it on the telegram the schumann resonance actually on that date it looks like uh angel wings it looks like a mirror image so if you've ever seen a schumann resonance graph it's just you know it's it's i don't know it's kind of hard to explain but uh, it's up there on the telegram i can try to put it in the chat for then maybe ben, ben's on the telegram though uh,
1: but anyway. yeah, I, I i saw that too. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it has the, the, that chart or graph has been responding, uh, to the extra energies coming in lately in a pretty unique way. Um, it's been fun to watch. Not so fun to, to feel or experience, but, um, for the people who are kind of tuned in and sensitive to that, it's, uh, nothing new necessarily it's been a couple years of that, that that's really that data has really been getting out there and and understood more and more and uh but it's it's fun to fun to see it on these bigger days like that that portal day that we just passed or entered into i guess for the next 10 days or so
0: yeah i've only recently been paying attention to Schumann resonance and looking at the the chart or the graph, the readings or whatever, the readout whenever I can. And I've never seen it do the that, that angel wing pattern. I thought that was pretty
1: unique. Yeah, the geometric patterns are new and but so are uh the energies and the amount of them coming in um in the past few months. So we're really getting supercharged lately.
0: More to come. Speaking of what's to come, uh, the next the next segment is what I'm calling for the time being new business until me or somebody else suggests a new and better term for this segment. But uh, the the goal of this one, um, is like like the, our last goal was to perpetuate gratitude. Right. Uh, the goal of this one is to kind of um, continue learning. I know this does include current events because it's this is a time trying to make the show timely. Right. So to talk about the context, which we're, we're, which we're experiencing. Right. But, uh, I would like for, for the point to be, to introduce something new, like, uh, useful, right. Maybe, maybe like, uh, Oh, that Listerine fact that I had was a good one. So I, I did, uh, I did see something today. I don't have any sources, but apparently, all the shampoo that we put on our hair is owned by BlackRock and Vanguard. And those people apparently don't like us and want our hair to fall out. So, yeah, shampoo. Shampoo and listerine. New business. Good good stuff. But I did have the uh, the angel wings thing marked down to talk about. But actually, I wanted to bring this next one up last time but then because it has to do with john Dee's mirror so this is a twitter link let me get this opened up i'll put it here in the chat
2: so there's a, a picture yep, there's a picture
0: of a obsidian Mirror, and this is a a historic vid's tweet, and it says that in recent research, recent research revealed that this obsidian mirror was used by Queen Elizabeth I's famed famed political advisor and occultist John Dee to speak with angels. It has been determined that the mirror has Aztec origins, crafted in Mexico over 500 years ago. It has most likely ended up in Europe as part of a the expeditions led by Hernan Cortez, and currently it's on display in, on the, uh, in, at the British Museum. So, John Dee had a diverse range of interests, including astronomy, astrology, alchemy, and mathematics. He served as an advisor to Queen Elizabeth I from the beginning of her reign in 1558 until the 1570s. Dee was also a strong advocate for overseas exploration and the establishment of colonies. In fact, this is not in a tweet, but I do know that the, the whole idea for the British Empire actually came from D. So I think that's a pretty uh, neat little tidbit. But later in his life, he became involved in divination in the occult, seeking to communicate with angels through the use of scryers, individuals who can divine the future, using artifacts such as mirrors and crystals. Shouting at crystals, yay! Scholars have determined that these mirror, along with another mirror, originated in Pachuca, located just northeast of Mexico City. The third mirror in the slab came from some other place 150 miles west. Both regions were under Aztec control during the early 16th century. The Aztecs regarded obsidian as a protective mineral with medicinal properties viewing its reflective surface as a shield against evil spirits. This volcanic glass was also associated with death, the underworld, and the capturing of a person's image and soul. Following the invasion of the Aztec capital of teo Teotec- I know how to say this. clan by forces commanded by Hernán Cortés in 1521 20, treasures, including the obsidian mirrors, were swiftly shipped back to Europe. So, so they stole them. But yeah, it's just a it's a round, um, maybe small watermelon, large in diameter. It's black. It's shiny. But uh, so that's the thing that he used. I've always wondered uh, what's because I've read uh, I've read The Empire of Angels by Jason Lou and he talks about the uh, the scrying stone in there. Uh-huh. But I never saw this mirror before.
1: Yeah, I didn't know Queen Elizabeth uh had these mirror. That's interesting for a lot of reasons. Um but also it's acknowledging synchros. I downloaded Twitter just last week. Um, because Instagram had kicked me out, and I was bending to the uh, phone addiction. Uh, so I guess that's why. So I could read that article. That was that was a good one. Um, and also I got a piece of Mexican obsidian yesterday at the local gem and rock club mineral show.
0: Beautiful
1: yeah so i was planning on polishing it as well um i've worked with that uh, john d enokian style well i work with my angel uh guardian angel and that opened up that angelic realm um with in my spirit work and uh yeah i'm excited to see what this mirror will do as i stare into a black mirror of my phone my hand here
0: i bought a chunk of uh, uh, mahogany obsidian the other uh, month ago or something but i did have a chance to sit down and like do one of those neville goddard type meditations with it and it was it was quite pleasant so i don't know if it's Ooh. just uh just the effect of me actually sitting down and Slowing down and being quiet for a few minutes during the day, or if it's the help from the stone, or a little bit of both. But yeah, it's something that I will probably, I don't know, felt good. I'll probably do it again.
1: Yeah, it was probably absorbing a lot of uh, stuck energy for you, or moving it at least. Um, I find those absorption stones like obsidian really helpful for that.
2: Yeah, I picked it up
1: I picked at, up quite a few not quite a few several several new things yesterday at that show to do much the same with
0: yeah i I bought this one at a swap meet from the local gym mineral and rock club up here I think it was like 20 bucks it's a pretty good chunk of it it's like I don't know baseball sized when the other thing I picked up was a I think I showed you this—a huge chunk of sulfur. Yeah, like a hundred dollar, hundred dollar chunk of
1: sulfur I got. Like... Was that was that Bolivian sulfur?
0: Um, Do you know, guy said it came from Mexico, I believe. Okay, but not Bolivia.
1: I almost got a big chunk of Bolivian sulfur yesterday.
0: That's also supposed to be very absorbing, right? Do you know um,
1: <clears throat> sulfur associated with Venus,
2: oh right yeah, yeah. It,
1: it, I, it was I was on online associated with Venus, and um, I don't know its properties actually,
0: yeah, it's a it's kind of a before what I was reading, it's kind of like a vacuum cleaner, put it in a high traffic area so it can suck up mm. stuff as people walk by. I've got yeah. it in a high traffic area. It's right where it needed to be. I've been looking for a trunk for a while, too. So it was kind of a, kind of a, I don't know, not synchro, but just the right right, divine timing, right?
1: Right. Yeah, I had a, I had a piece of selenite that I used for that that has uh, turned up missing. So I guess it did its job.
0: That's good. No, you he's no, done. Check that off the list. Thanks. Thanks, Rock.
1: Right. Speaking yep. Of rocks, go ahead. I had, an, I had a couple other pieces laying yeah. around.
0: So. Oh. <clears throat> we have a plethora. Speaking of rocks, though, and, and value, right, because our, our currency used to be backed by gold or silver, and it was silver, and we got rid of that, and now we're in this weird conundrum with with uh, the money situation right but I don't really I don't really follow the markets or or anything too closely it's not really my my infotainment genre if you will but I did stumble across this uh, watcher.guru article about Blackrock's uh, CEO saying that crypto is a is digital gold and Bitcoin is an international asset so I just thought that Well, here, let me get through the article. It's just a real short article. It it was an interview on Fox Business. uh, BlackRock CEO Larry Fink. Fink is another term for rat, by the way. Um, (laughs) Calls crypto digital gold and labels uh, Bitcoin a digital asset. His quote is, I do believe that the role of crypto is digitalizing gold in many ways. He says, instead of investing in gold as a hedge against inflation and a hedge against the onerous problems of any one country, or the devaluation of your currency of whatever country you're in, Bitcoin is an international asset. In saying that Bitcoin is an international asset, BlackRock CEO Fink explains that it can be used as an alternative asset to gold. BlackRock applied for a Bitcoin exchange-traded fund last month. Gold has been a staple Alternative to physical currency to invest for time. However, with the emergence of cryptocurrency over the past decade, it is quickly becoming an alternative investment as an asset. Bitcoin is the leading cryptocurrency in terms of value on the market. Currently priced at it's over thirty thousand per Bitcoin, and then the, the cap is some ridiculously high number that starts with uh, five nine and two. Uh, the gold thing is, is interesting because I did see another article a few days ago. I don't have it with me, but about the, uh, the BRICS block of countries. Uh, they're going to introduce a currency that is backed by gold. So it will be uh, very interesting to see what happens in the coming months over the next year. Probably see some, some big changes. Um, Ben, do you do you do any crypto? Am I asking for t- 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 tips or anything? But what are your? I mean, yeah, I
1: have some. I don't really pay attention to it. Um, it was sort of one of those I'll buy some and just watch it for fun, and then it wasn't all that fun for me. So it's still there. It's doing whatever it does. Yeah, I want uh, I'm not. I'm not into it. I don't, I don't do the investments or markets or anything like that. So,
0: yeah, I did buy some as well, just to have it, to hold it, right, to sit on it, to as a, as an asset, because you know, if if something does go south, there's an alternative avenue enable, you know, which is available for the economy to make stuff happen, if if need be. So, I think I do think that it's a good, a good backup. But ultimately, I think that gold or silver standard is probably the best thing to do, which is what those guys in the BRICS, B R I C S, BRICS BRICS countries are are going to do apparently. So, yeah, I did uh, I did look at my chart the other day, the graph, the performance graph for my portfolio, and I've still I have not recouped the amount the amount of money that I bought in at current you know. Yet, so it's been you know, three, three years, four years, maybe I don't know. But yeah, I'm still down money. Oh yeah, this next story isn't really a story. It's just a video of a man pouring in a can of red Bull. Over a car window. You want to guess what happens? before I put it in the chat. This is horrible for uh, an audio podcast. <laughs> but perhaps um, I will I will actually upload this one on YouTube. And uh, let's
2: let's go ahead and play it.
0: Anyway, so this is a, this is a man pouring a can of Red Bull over the the back window of of a of a, uh, a wagon. Right, it's a it's like a five door car. So this would be the back windshield, and pretty much empties gets gets the whole can out basically. But then the the window shatters. So I'm calling this. I decided to call it the the Red Bull car window challenge. We can make this a viral thing where you get people to pour a Red Bull all over their vehicles and shatter their windows for TikTok views. That sounds like something that would probably take off and happen here in this universe right now. But uh Ever heard of Red Bull breaking a window, Ben? And uh if you find an abandoned car anywhere, can you promise me to buy a Red Bull from a near gas station and try this?
1: Um... No, I, can't, uh, um, I don't understand the physics of it. I know Red Bull's probably not the best thing to ingest, so it's probably not, I, I don't know, I sort of feel dumber for knowing all of that.
0: It's kind of like how you can clean a car battery with Coke. It's got to be something similar to that. At Coca-Cola. Right. This next story actually has to do with time and time moving slower at the beginning of time. I'll put it in there for Ben. Oh, uh, we, we aren't live today, obviously. But uh, normally, we would be broadcasting and, uh, on Cosmic Reality Radio there's a chat room there so normally i'll be posting these links well hopefully in the future right we'll still but we will still be doing this right we'll be posting this in the in the, uh, the group chat for everyone to follow along if you're here with us live on mondays at seven but this is a uh, gadgetget.com article it's a 20-year study of 190 supermassive black holes has shown that time flowed five times slower at the dawn of the universe than it does now. Albert Einstein proved decades ago that time and space are inseparable. However, because of the expansion of the universe, events that occurred after the Big Bang, Big Bang now appear to have slowed down. As it turned out, time flowed many times slower at the dawn of the universe than it does today. Here's what we know. Scientists at the University of Sydney have come to this conclusion. Their study took two decades. During this period, they observed 190 active supermassive black holes at the centers of galaxies. They are emitted by intense irradiation that are called quasars. Scientists observed the distortion radiation of supermassive black holes. The quasars were chosen so that their luminosity varied in the same way. The researchers then calculated the distortion frequencies of the quasars, which are about the same distance away. None of this makes any sense to me, just so you know. It's just what the article says. And lastly, the emissions that astronomers can now detect were emitted 3 to 12 billion years ago. By comparing the distortion frequencies, scientists have found that time went slower in the past than it does now. Specifically, 3 billion years ago, it was 1.2 times slower. And twelve billion years ago it was five times slower. How how they get these numbers, I don't understand it, but certainly is interesting just because it seems like as we get older, time seems to go quicker, right? Like each each passing year is uh you know, we all are always saying that uh I can't believe it's twenty twenty three already, but it seems like when we're when we're kids like the school year is so long right and then uh when you get when you get to summer vacation it's you know it's finally here and it lasts forever and it's great right but then uh as so we get older and we repeat the cycles I guess I guess it's familiarity that, that might breed that, that sense of speeding up time but yeah i just thought that was interesting do you think that you know what I'm talking about, though, when it's when I'm when I'm saying that the time goes seems to quicker for us as we get older, Ben. Like, oh, our
1: can... perception of it can change, yeah, and um, you know, getting into the the high strangeness and the woo side of the things, it is you can manipulate it, and whether or not it is just a perception of linear time acting differently or not, um there are ways you can, you know, accomplish more in a shorter amount of time or and I think part of what you're getting at, I think maybe to sorry to veer off on that, but it's something I I practice fairly often um in the mornings with with writing and things. Um, but what our our perception of time as we age, I think does does change as well but it's in relation to our like attitude and vibration moving through time and space if that makes sense so if you have a a shitty
0: attitude time will go quicker
1: no i think it'll, it might slow down <laughs> slow down. um with a shitty attitude but well it's, it's like uh you know we spoke a, a few times last winter and coming into the spring it was like man that was a long winter no it was the same amount of winter we always have right but we were perceiving it as long but at this point months later in you know the heat of the summer I, I couldn't even tell you how long it was. Right. So it was just we were experiencing because of adverse weather conditions Seemed like it took longer. But it's still the same amount.
0: Less daylight in the winter, though. Maybe that's something to do with it.
1: Just in the dark more. Right. It is interesting though that i
0: mean obviously seasons have their own feelings to them but i would argue that days of the week also have like different not only flavors to them but like feelings i guess flavors metaphor for feeling but you ever catch yourself saying like man it's today doesn't feel like monday right or it's the weekend and you're thinking oh it doesn't feel like sunday or saturday it feels like wednesday like why does that why do specific days have feelings that we're able to remember and then recall them you know recall them at the time that we have them stored and then we're able to relate that to another another point in time
1: well i think that would correlate to how you Spend your days and and the routine that you have with that, right? So if you uh punch a clock and have a nine to five, then you're obviously set in that <clears throat> in that pattern, right? But if you work for yourself um, and don't have a set work, you know, a set amount of hours or whatever that you're doing, uh, it's always. Right. It seems like you're, you're always working, um, or always have the potential to, to be working. Um, and then you can just check out of that. And it's very easy out in nature to just lose track of time and, and go back to that circadian rhythm. Like it doesn't matter what day it is. The sun's up. Yes. You know, or the moon is full, you know, but that it's there's no you can lose track of that real easy if you want to.
2: I've been
0: really enjoying the this planetary times app though so like I don't know about losing losing track maybe isn't uh, I don't know it's hampering your awareness like wouldn't it be better for us to keep an eye on these things I mean this is why I do the the Almanac. Uh, all the next
1: For the reason, right? right. I, I mean, that gives you a reference point, right? Like you can point to something if you're if you're trying to measure that out. But um, disconnecting from all of it, in my experience, just allows you to just really be in that eternal now mode so it doesn't matter if it's you know uh jupiter's day cuz it's thursday or that's the hour of mars or whatever none of that really i mean you like i'm i'm finding it interesting paying attention to the planetary hours as well but it's interesting does it affect my day i don't i mean if i was going to do a working or something like that i would want to pay attention to it but um if you're just kind of going about and tending the garden and doing things like, I don't know if it does.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: The, the the topic, just the general concept of time itself, I just find very, very fascinating. We just heard Albert Einstein say that it's inseparable from space. And this, this reminds me of a, uh, Ben and I were, were were talking a little bit before we recorded about this idea of you know, four color factions that is posited by uh, Azazel News on, on Telegram. This is, if nothing else, it is certainly an interesting categorization um, option, right? It's a it's a system to to kind of understand different Events and, and happenings, and kind of make maybe make some more connections behind the scenes. But before I, mean, I don't want to get too too deep into that idea right now because I like to have Derek's input on this as well, and 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 uh, and, and Adams and Owens. But uh, the the gold faction there's 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 gold, uh, green, blue, and red right? and the gold faction or gold wizardry is is de- they deal in spirit dimensions consciousness metaphysics and timelines and this is, this is all stuff on the azazel telegram so i did link it on on our channel so you can find it through there because there's so much going on in the in that news channel that's kind of hard to look through but uh he says who um The moderator, (laughs) whose name is Ares, go figure, uh, is uh, he says that this faction is the rarest in terms of personnel out of all three factions making up the White Hats, the other two being uh, the green and the blue. And he says that they have always stood side by side by green and blue and fighting for humanity and peace among the other societies on Earth. They run the jumpers, jump rooms, scanners, time tunnels. They've perfected time travel. They also control Nephilim stargates and man-made stargates and regulate the trans-dimensional transportation, aka portals, and they run all the black sites on Earth. So uh, apparently the Department of Energy has a lot to do with this. And there's actually a uh, a movie that is referenced. Uh, these are the four factions that... that uh, run a lot of things uh, with the realms in a domain they control within the uh, the black projects so what the, the white hats were like I said were the gold gold wizards uh, surface you know surface and subsurface where where you would find I'm oh, sorry that's green wizards surface and, and subsurface would be green wizardry gold is spirit dimensions consciousness metaphysics blue uh, blue is uh, space mountains and water versus uh, the black hats those would be the red Red faction that's the they call it deep state naughty globalist people but uh the, the movie is the flight of the dragons' made in nineteen eighty two and it's a, it's a little kids movie, but uh, it's not really meant for uh i mean it's it's rated g right but if you look past the little kid story, you'll see that uh it's more like a training like a training project like a uh not a pr- project but uh, an introductory Course, to to maybe show a uh, somebody new to this idea, right? But yeah, that's time. I got all that from time. Started that with uh, interest in in time, and it was kind of the uh, a little bit uh, of inspiration behind the the name of, of this show. The whole uh, working with timelines and and consciousness, right? Because I like to think that this is what uh, we do here on this show, because we are, after all, is working, right? We are casting spells. Why not just say it for what it is, right? Speaking of Ben, did you have any comments on that? It's kind of a lot of, uh, lot of uh, left field stuff, but uh, I do have other stories.
1: No, I kinda wanna watch that movie now, though. Sounds
0: pretty it. fun. It is it's a it's a good it's a good movie, right? It's a kid's movie. Uh, old timey I I do enjoy the, the animation. The animation style is it just reminds me of my childhood, right?
1: Yeah. I'm a I'm a fan of that genre.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'll check
1: I'll, it out.
0: Report back. I feel like there was stuff on the last episode that we said we were gonna report back on but I don't remember what they are, so <laughs> from now on I will be sure to uh, keep track of that so I can bring it up in future future episodes. Uh, okay, so just a few more, okay, three more uh, stories here. This next one is from CNN. I know CNN isn't always maybe considered uh, the fairest source, but this is a pretty... Uh, cut-and-dry chicken story. <laughs> uh, it has to do with Tyson. Tyson uh, is removing their no-antibiotics-ever label on their chicken. So uh, Tyson's pretty popular. And uh, I know I've ate it before, right? But uh, now that my wife works at a, a health food store, it's kind of a, a good point for me. But I think it's good information, But no, just because... Uh, yeah, it's a change in how they're raising the, the meat, but the company, from the article, the company said that the antibiotics plants plans to use in chicken production are not important to the treatment of humans. Antibiotic use in food has come under intense scrutiny in recent years, as some bacteria have become increasingly resistant to treatments as a result of frequent exposure to antibiotics. About half of US. poultry farmers use some form of antibiotics to help chickens to help keep chickens healthy. In many chicken farms, animals are raised in crowded and unsanitary conditions and can be prone to disease. At Tyson Foods, we base our decisions on sound science and an evolving understanding of the best practices impacting our, impacting our customers, consumers and animals in our care brand chicken will be using in will be will begin using a no antibiotics important to human medicine label by the end of 2023. I'll ask because I can't believe this is actually true. That's a horrible, it's like the worst uh, marketing slogan ever, just from that standpoint. But I can't believe this is actually gonna do that. That standard recognized by the USDA and the World Health Organization allows for the use of antibiotics that are not crucial to the treatment of human diseases. So The shift to use some antibiotics marks a departure from the company's stance in 2015 when Tyson said that it would eliminate antibiotics from its production of wings, breasts, and nuggets, chicken nuggets. At that time, Tyson said it was concerned about the raise in antibiotic-resistant bacterial infections in humans and wanted to play a role in reducing human antibiotic consumption. There's a quote from the company. We don't have all the answers, uh, but we want to make sure that antibiotics continue to work. Oh, oh, this guy that said it. So we don't have all the answers, said Tyson's then head of sustainable food production, Christine Daughtery, who now works for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Imagine that. So, heads up on Tyson. Just, uh, maybe not buy it anymore. I don't know. I don't like to tell people what to do, but I'm certainly not telling you anything that
1: I don't do myself.
0: You eat a lot of chicken, man?
2: I eat a lot of eggs. Yeah, not really. Oh. I'm a little distracted. Um, no,
0: it's, not, it's kind of boring.
1: Not really, and yeah, I mean, you know, the I tried to shy away from all of the the factory farm meats as, as much as I can. Actually, yeah, yep.
0: It is it's an interesting thing to to watch. Anything else? If we're already avoiding it. it, you know, if you are. This is just uh, maybe some more of a um a sign, maybe that you made the right decision. <laughs> maybe. Anyway, enough of that boring old chicken news. Uh, I was I was hoping here's another story I was going to ask Derek about, but it is the uh, the anniversary of the Georgia Guidestone bombing remember when that happened last year
1: uh the, there was a bombing and then didn't it get struck by lightning as well
0: I don't I don't remember if it got struck by lightning I think that there was some conjecture that it might have been like a directed energy weapon so like a lightning esque right
1: okay yeah. Yeah. well uh I there was a video footage of it or something uh of of the lightning striker and Directed energy weapon, whatever. Cool.
0: Yeah. So I don't know if the but uh, Derek could uh, remote view or whatever and see if it was an alien or or an actual person planting explosives, but that that thing is creepy. Like there there is a big blood stain on the top of the that one, the top, the roof slab. Right. Some creepy stuff going on. But
2: the stones. I won't bring this up,
0: but I will mark it for next time. You know, well, maybe I will. Just because you mentioned not swimming in the lakes earlier. And I found a very good story about a lake uh, in Russia. I can get to it. And this is all on, on Telegram. There's just a little blurb here. And uh, a minute and. 30 second video actually, and see if I can.
2: Siberia. Ooh,
0: does work. Okay. I'm going to, uh, let's play this real quick, just as an experiment, because I want to see how it ends up on the recording. And Ben, if you can't hear it, let let me know. But uh, maybe, and then I'm going to read the little snippet after it anyway. But yeah, here we go.
1: Siberia, 1982. A research mission. Uh, right. Siberia, 1982. Russian Navy divers are conducting a research. Seven Russian divers are at a depth of 50 meters. When suddenly, the frogmen realize they are being watched. These strange humanoid
0: figures were much bigger than human beings. These were large beings, human-shaped but like nine feet tall, wearing what seemed like very tight-fitting silvery suits. Not your normal scuba gear, basically, swimming in the water, what they've come to call the swimmers of Lake Baikal.
1: What were these creatures? Why did they not seem to use what we
0: would be using to sustain life? There were no oxygen tanks. So there are lots of interesting facets to this. You have creatures that are underwater and surviving with technology that we don't comprehend.
1: The Russian divers then make a fateful decision. They try to capture one. The divers
0: attempted to capture one of these creatures, but at this point, so
1: the documents say, the entities reactive. A powerful unknown force suddenly propels the entire group of divers up from the deep water to the surface. They did a rapid rise to the surface of the water. Well, when you do that
0: too fast, you suffer from decompression, and you get the bends, and it's deadly. There were seven of these divers, and three of them died. And four were
1: Siberia.
0: Okay, so it kind of cuts off the video, but you get the gist. Like, they they ran into uh, these underwater aliens, tried to capture one, and ended up getting hurt. So, Uh maybe that's why. (laughs) This particular lake, I would not swim in, for sure.
1: (laughs) Well, it's not just that lake. I think it can be a lot of different natural bodies of water um, in my experience with working with uh the genus loci or local spirits of different places um the lakes can definitely you know be a portal or just the water being a medium to transfer the energy through kind of thing um and the deeper they are the more doorways they can have i guess a good way to put it so yeah i've been guided to avoid swimming in a few different spots and uh have used some kind of old world magic uh hag stones or looking through a knothole uh to see different perspectives see the different frequencies and i've seen a few things uh swimming about that i wouldn't huh. necessarily want to jump in there with either but i mean talking about these guys dying well, they, they attack them yeah so it i mean that's a good lesson to fuck around and find out It seems like
2: yeah yeah for sure gold, <laughs> and
1: the gold bill goes a lot like including with aliens
0: So the, the, this, just to go uh, a little bit more in depth, maybe rehash a little bit. Uh, Forty years ago, nineteen eighty-two. Hey, there's a fucking another nineteen eighty-two hit. That movie was what uh, the Flight of the Dragons was made in nineteen eighty-two. Then this happened in nineteen eighty-two. Anyway, uh, the Russian Navy died. Go ahead. If no, happened, yeah. Go ahead. Says for centuries, like. Baikal has been home to a plethora of unexplained phenomena. Locals claim countless peculiar UFO encounters frequently occur within this remote region of Russia. Some theorize an alien base is lurking beneath the picturesque exterior. One of the most bizarre reports occurred in 1982 during a routine Soviet military training dive. While navigating the foreboding aquatic realm, Navy personnel noticed anomalous figures swimming nearby perplexed they watched in bewilderment as several several curious creatures approached them despite being at a depth of over 164 feet these humanoids wore no modern equipment each donned tight-fitting metallic suits complete with a helmet-like apparatus completely covering their heads upon closer inspection troops noticed the aliens were nearly 10 feet tall However, the colossal lock-dwellers soon disappeared back into the murky abyss. Following this eerie run-in, the intrigued commander ordered his recruits to capture a subaqueous alien. Seven scuba divers entered the glacial lake and began their harrowing descent. Soon after navigating an elevator of declining temperatures, multiple entities emerged. One frogman attempted to catch the unearthly specimen in a huge net. At that moment, all hell broke loose for the unsuspecting flotilla group. Suddenly, the non-humans fought back by shooting intense sonar waves. A powerful force rendered every crew crew member unconscious and rapidly propelled them to the surface. Catapulting upwards from extreme depths can have devastating effects on our bodies, resulting in a condition often called the bends. Three of the squadron were seriously injured, but did not succumb to this affliction. The remaining fellows indeed immediate the remaining fellows needed immediate transfer to a decompression chamber. Decompression chamber. Unfortunately, there was only one chamber in the region, and it was designed for merely two people at a time. Out of sheer desperation, four men entered simultaneously in an attempt to save their lives. Russia, Lake, Baikal, humanoids, swimmers. Apparently, there is a connection to uh, them gifting us with uh, modern, uh, modern, modified Russian honeybees. So this would be another excellent Derek question, which I will definitely mark for next time. Because I did hear that uh, bees were actually gifted to us from uh From entities from Venus at one point, uh, along with the redwoods. I read that, actually, I think I read that in uh, *Rolling Thunder* by Doug Boyd. It's about a, it's about a uh, Native American medicine man in the West. Really good book. Have you read that, Ben? By the way, I'm going to send you this to you if
1: you haven't. Uh, no, I was yeah, I was about to. uh Go find a pen to write that down. Um, just because of the Redwood connection. That's fascinating. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure if it was that.
1: That's, Pretty- that ties into my, my angelic experience with John D. and the obsidian mirror. So that's fun. Redwoods do or Big Hall? Yeah, uh, Redwoods. But I went to the Redwoods after I went to Tahoe. So, uh, another natural, very deep lake hmm. and uh, spiritually charged for sure. So, yeah, definitely send me a link to that uh, book. That'll be oh, next yeah. on the reading list. For sure.
0: I think uh, there have been reports of uh, a UFO base, subaqueous base in, in like Michigan, which I'm fairly close to, but. I've I've, I've yeah. never seen a UFO. I've seen some weird lights move in different directions in the sky, right? But that could be satellites over
1: there. Well, well, and they can cloak, too. So it's not... You know, it's... How they're moving through time and space is not necessarily conducive with how we perceive it. So you don't always see them.
0: Unless they're hiding in clouds.
1: But it, w- it wouldn't surprise me. That's a big... Big dang lake.
2: So. Yeah.
0: It's another it's a it's also a glacier lake. Glacial glacial lake. Yeah. Well so that that pretty much wraps up all the all the interesting tidbits I found on my telegram perusings this week. I did come across a Ernest Hemingway quote, which I know Ben is a big <laughs> He says, "There's nothing noble in being superior to your fellow man. True nobility is being superior to your former self."
2: Ah, that's a good one.
0: True words, true words. You should only uh, use yourself as a benchmark to gauge your progress, and not other people. Don't put other people pedestals. Something that came up often, not often, but. Did come up in thirteen questions. That was because we talk about uh, role models, right?
1: It's a good show. Yeah, know. he's he's a good one, not only as a writer but as as a human, as an as a man. Uh, I was reading an instant about Hemingway this week, where he uh, was in two plane crashes in one day, and the second one, the search party went out and couldn't find him. He was presumed dead, and when they took back off out of this little jungle airstrip, he was seen coming out of the jungle with a bunch of bananas over his shoulder and a bottle of gin in his other hand. So he always made the best of the situation. It seems.
0: Hell yeah! He's, he didn't spill his drink on the way down.
2: <laughs> the whole bottle.
0: So this brings us to the third segment, which is uh, the goal behind, the, I haven't really came up with a name for this one yet really, so this has just been the third segment. This is how I've been titling it in the show notes as well. But the, the point behind it, right? the goal, the idea is supposed to be empowering, right? It's supposed to remind us of uh, what we are, who we are, what we're capable of, uh, and uh, to remind us that uh, we're, there are no there are no victims. There are only volunteers, and that uh, a lot of this stuff going on in the world is mental, right? Everything is a psyop, literally. Everything's a psyop. Everything is going on inside of your head, and uh, our goal here is to uh, filter out all the, the voices of chaos or uh, the metote, as Don Miguel Ruiz likes to call this concept. All the all the different opinions and and all the all the different voices in the world dream called the mitote. Our job is to to cut through that and to clarify it and to remember that uh, we are more powerful than we often give ourselves credit for. And this is why I have made the third segment what it is to help remind not only myself of these things but. Also, anybody else that might need to hear that, for whatever reason or wherever you are on this planet or in your life, whatever time it is, because much like, uh, what is that book? *Man's Search for Meaning*, right? Viktor Frankl. that You never know what your piece of bread is going to do for another person, right? Look at. I'll have to touch on that metaphor a little deeply next episode, maybe, because that's uh, that's pretty deep. Actually, I wanted to get a couple of the guys from uh, from Amish Inquisition over to kind of talk about that. So maybe I'll I'll set that up for sometime this coming month. But uh, t- so for for what we've been doing recently is uh, Ben and I have been going over the Celestine Insights. And we've covered uh, the first six. I believe, so I thought we'd do three more tonight and see uh, see if anything jumps out at Ben and I, Ben or I, and uh, see see what we can get from uh, seven, eight, and ninth insight. And uh, we, we did we did do a little review last time, but I don't really feel like rehashing that. Because if you're following along, you're following along. You're part of the part of the journey. So jumping right into the seventh insight. Oh, by the way, the, the Celestine Insights. This is from uh, the Celestine Prophecies by uh, James Redfield. Number one New York Times bestselling author. And uh, he, he tells the story of finding uh, bits of this manuscript in Peru, I believe. It's a big synchronistic journey. Which I can kind of uh, kind of relate to in my own podcast experience in life, general life experience. My whole uh, relationship with my wife was one big synchronicity. <laughs> so that's pretty awesome. And so basically, from this understanding that synchronicity is is actually a uh, let's not mistake coincidence for fate type of type of thing. Let's look at some of these other insights. What do you think of that quote, Ben? I've been watching Lost. The series lost on Amazon, and uh, one of the, the phrases that's thrown around a lot on that island is not don't don't mistake coincidence for fate. I think that that should be some kind of like philosophical axiom, right?
1: Uh, fate's a tough one, and like coincidence or right? synchronicity, according to Jung, is just a meaningful coincidence um but then another a quote uh robert ragnar grant maybe um i heard him say that uh destiny is the free will of your higher self so tying that into you know fate and destiny um and young used to would would say that until you make your unconscious conscious you'll you'll call it fate you know so there is i don't i don't i don't know if it's all written right i think you can surf a timeline that's already been written and and your higher self is in charge but that you have that free will to deviate and you know, dive into that shadow aspect and let the unconscious rule for a while and see where that goes. So it's... it's The truth lies while the coin is still flipping, I guess.
0: While it's still in its potential... potentiality state. Everything's potential. Everything's in your mind. It's a mind game. Everything's a PSYOP. <laughs> So, seventh, anyway, seventh insight, right? Uh, The seventh insight is engaging the flow. Knowing our personal mission further enhances the flow of mysterious coincidences as we are guided toward our destinies. First, we have a question, then, dreams, daydreams, and intuitions lead us towards the answers, which usually are synchronistically provided by the wisdom of another human being, right? Other people create synchronicities for us right that's this It's kind of one of the uh the points behind the celestine prophecy is to engage with other people so we can trade these messages and get lessons from each other and we don't know what the other person has in store like for us to tell us like but and we, and we don't know what we how like how we're going to impart a message that they need to hear on them right this is where universe gets creative and surprises you. So following your intuition with our mission in mind and as our lives move forward, we begin to notice synchronicities aimed at our ultimate calling. In this buildup of consciousness, we become aware of our intuitive guidance at a higher level. Through practicing mindfulness, we can distinguish our thoughts that our intuitions From mere calculative thoughts. Calculative thoughts are words that run through our minds as we make decisions, as though we are talking to ourselves. Intuitions, however, are not part of our deliberation over a problem or goal. Intuitions come from a superior part of our intelligence. They naturally appear in the back of our minds as clarifying ideas on how to proceed. In short, they are ideas that sometimes seem too random, spontaneous and not logical, but upon greater interpretation they can be observed to apply perfectly to the situation at hand. Once we begin to identify guiding intuitions in this way, we realize how we have been missing them in the past. One way to clarify the types of thought is to ask yourself, why did I think this now? Once we learn to identify Intuitions, we realize how they bring forth synchronicity, another elevation of awareness occurring. First, we receive an intuitive picture, an urge to end or begin something, to solve a problem, or to pursue some line of interest. Then, if we follow the guidance diligently with mindfulness, an important synchronistic breakthrough will take place, thus leading our lives forward to our greater calling. In this way, Following our intuitions is the key to increasing our synchronistic flow and maintaining our flow of destiny. How's all that stuff sound, Ben? Kind of makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, I agree with all that. I think the more you practice into it, the uh, easier it is for you to see the flow in the universe and just keep in it. yeah
0: it's definitely something that becomes easier as you as you go along because once you, this is expanding awareness is what it's talking about and it even uses that synchronicity is another form of elevation of another elevation of awareness occurring right that the mastery of awareness is something that don miguel ruiz really talks about the other there's three masteries right awareness transformation and intent and it's kind of you know we're talking about intuition and using our intent to to you know, solve a problem, beginner in something or pursue some line of, of interest. So we're talking about some masteries going on here. Increasing our awareness. And it's not it's not uh, you know, you have to become accustomed to that, I think. And once it's natural to you, it becomes second nature and becomes easier. In theory, right?
1: Well you really have to be able to tune out distraction.
2: Yes. Right.
0: Yeah, that's a big one. We'll get into uh outwitting the devil eventually. And that is all about distraction. Cutting through it. And uh yeah. It's easy to get distracted. Moving on. <laughs> The eighth insight is the interpersonal ethic. We can increase the frequency of guiding coincidences by uplifting every person that comes into our lives. Care must be taken not to lose our inner connection in romantic relationships. Uplifting others is especially effective in groups where each member can feel energy of all the others. With children, it is extremely important for their early security and growth. By seeing the beauty in every face, we lift others into their wisest self and increase the chances of hearing a synchronistic message. So, the I like how he pointed out romantic relationships because this is a the section of the book spoke to me a lot because it, it, it it talks about not not relying on your partner to make you feel whole, right? Uh, it, it is a, a distraction of sorts to from from us uh, connecting ourselves, right directly to to source, to creator. We don't need an intermediary, right? We don't need somebody else to uh, to do that for us, right. This is something that we do naturally and by ourselves, and it is good and wonderful, right? So, romantic relationships are also good and wonderful, but they should not take the place of how you uh, how you get your energy from from the cosmos, right? And then, uh, I think there's some. So the rest of the, the rest of the seventh or no sorry we're on the eighth insight, the rest of it says giving energy increases our synchronistic experiences. Excuse me. Once we clearly see the process of synchronicity, what we observed most often is that people provide many of our synchronistic experiences. Yet sometimes others do not feel comfortable talking to us related to the commonly used first impression theory. As a result, we end up leaving that encounter feeling as though we missed out on something they were supposed to tell us. We find another step up in consciousness when we grasp the solution to this problem. We must adopt an additional... Oh, I know I was going to talk about. (laughs) I'll finish this first, though. Uh, We must actively uplift others by visualizing an expression of higher connected consciousness in their eyes and on their face. Continue to visualize them moving above their ego into an authentic United State. As a result of this, not only is the person lifted into a greater level of experience, they are more likely to intuit some message they have for us. So the thing I was going to mention earlier is that uh, with children, this is extremely important for their early security and, and growth, you know, feeling uh, when they're talking about uh, the interpersonal ethic and how we can increase the frequency of guiding coincidences by uplifting every person that comes into our lives and how this is uh, important for you know development. And it's I can't see how forcing a child or anyone around a child to wear a mask for their development in during their developmental years is going to help. That, that that baby you know read emotion on people's faces i would i just don't see that going very well so i don't know that's just something that popped out to me while reading through this um, the other thing i'll share or going on to the next one is that uh, when we visualize the other person in their Highest expression of themselves, right? And we're, we uplift them. We're bringing them up to that, you know, moving above their ego into an authentic United State. It says this reminds me of the, the Twin Hearts meditation, which uh, has you uh, imagine somebody that you love, anybody that you love. You know, imagine that person and then imagine that person happy and smiling. It's part of it. It's a guided meditation, right? So, uh, you're elevating that particular person above, you know, their ego and to their highest, most perfect self. So that this kind of, I don't know, just drawing some some lines of connecting dots behind in my head. That's all. Ben, did you have any anything pop out to you from uh, the the eighth insight? Uh,
1: no, I think you covered it pretty well. It might have gotten a few, uh, like dug up a few nuggets from my past that I'm gonna have to sit with uh, later on. But yeah, you covered it well. Good stuff. Something
0: to chew on later, even. Cool. So the ninth insight is the emerging culture. This is well. This will be the last one that we do. For this episode guys and then we'll do the last three next episode so the ninth insight is as we all evolve toward the best compilation oh, i'm sorry as we all evolve toward the best completion of our spiritual missions the technological means of survival will be fully automated as humans focus instead on synchronistic growth such growth will move humans into higher energy states Ultimately transforming our bodies into spiritual form and uniting the dimension of existence with the afterlife dimension. This dimension, uniting this dimension of existence with the afterlife dimension, thus ending the cycle of birth and death. So, kind of getting a little culty here, seems like. <laughs> Is it just me? No. Yeah, so that's that's interesting that uh, we're going to. Uh, Transforming our bodies from uh, material into spirit form and uniting dimensions. So sounds like some, some pretty heavy Gold faction shit to me.
1: That's kind of the new age, new earth idea, I think. Yeah. Um pretty sure that's just death also called death. So
0: Well, this says it's gonna end the cycle of death and birth, of birth and death. But, oh right, right. Uh, yeah, but uh, let me let's finish here and we'll see what it see what else it says. See what else we can take away from it. Fulfilling human destiny. We can now see how if everyone were to participate, practicing this virtue of uplifting others, we would quickly accelerate the spiritual transformation of the world. It works this way. When someone ups, uplifts us, we feel it as Increased energy because we receive a greater experience of the divine mind. When we return this energy, it moves our heightened energy back into them. Both people during doing this creates a hothouse effect back and forth, where both people feel their divine connection getting stronger and stronger. Think of where to gather phenomena. When this goes viral, then everyone can quickly identify their life missions and can synchronistically move. To the right place of service. As we embrace a continuous experience of synchronicity, millions of individuals will be unleashed to follow their, de- their destinies. and we will find a place we will all, and we will all find a place in the working world which is in need of freedom from corruption. In this way, all the institutions of life are moved toward a perfect level of functioning. capitalism itself, business at every level, food production, the problems of poverty, chemical pollution, and government regulation will all become enlightened. This enlightened conscious evolution works because it happens through an effort all at once, replacing the top-down efforts by corrupt governments. The result is an economic development that frees up more and more time for individuals to pursue higher energy states directly with others. Eventually, the basic needs of humanity can then all be automated and provided as we focus on synchronicities that will carry us to ever greater spiritual consciousness. Over time, such growth will transform us into a spiritual form and unite our current dimension with the afterlife dimension, ending the cycle of birth and death. Humanity's destiny is, gradually, to bring the intelligence that inspires the heavenly realms into the earthly domain and that's
2: what it says about the ninth insect.
0: So, there's that uh, the whole thing about ending birth and death again. And uh, this this I will say that uh, reading the book because I did I've actually read the book, right? The uh, it is kind of a uh, I want to say there's still smack there. I'm gonna have to mark that for edit. but the the capitalism is, it seemed the book is not' is not very pro capitalist. I'm not saying that I'm super pro capitalist either, but you can definitely tell read into the uh, that that agenda at, at work there. Not to say that it's good or bad, it's just simply something that I noticed. And uh, the other thing that popped out to me is the uh, the automation. Of the workplace right this book was written in early 90s ben 80 something maybe Remember? yeah it was in
1: early 90s i'm pretty sure but and it is it's it's a great you know explanation of evolution moving towards utopia there's a lot of stories about that mm-hmm. um so it's not all wrong right oh, and yeah. the more that idea keeps getting into the zeitgeist the faster it appears in reality right so i think um it's just part of the story and part of the cycle and people have been picking up on that for a while you know 2023 uh is the year george jetson was born so you know we're well on the way
0: Right? yeah so Yeah, the, the it talks about people having more time to to do this work of, of connecting with other, you know, our highest selves and improving society in general for the whole, having more free time to do this. And it talks about uh, you know a fair workplace and all this stuff. But I just think I just think it's interesting because it it is like it that has become true, right? Our workplace, some of it you know, has been automated to an extent that people now do not have jobs that did have jobs before. And luckily, I'm not in that number, but uh, I did see my company move towards automation uh, recently, right? So it didn't affect me too much. Um, I do work with the software that does the automated thing. So, you know, there's always got to be some somebody to run, you know, push the button, right? But uh, it's just interesting that... It's talking about this type of thing all the way back when the internet was still on dial up right like we we couldn't see how far it was gonna go within twenty years, right
1: Well, and that's the it just does keep getting faster, right the technology so i can I can see us moving towards. Uh, better things but you know you first got to tear down the old before you can yeah, uh, get the new and i think that's sort of what we're experiencing Not, i don't it's not sort of that's what we're experiencing now mm-hmm. right and there is sort of the feel of that collective unconscious shadow coming out and being exposed and we're dealing with it um and you know you gotta feel it to heal it right so We're not quite yet at just hot boxing, uh, good vibes everywhere we go. But, uh, you know, I can see it for sure. And it is part of this spiritual evolution of humanity uh, that has come in waves over history and just keeps building and seems to be traveling at roughly the same speed as technology.
2: Yeah yeah
0: technology technology transfers there's the whole promethean archetype there technology and freedom and so very very interesting concepts topics to ponder on but yeah prop. it's prophetic right it was prophetic so- oh for sure
1: yeah that's that book was oh, an, an oracle army. for <laughs> sure
0: so we we'll, we will do the last three insights next week, and then we're gonna have to figure out something else to do for the third segment. But Ben, you mentioned uh, how we have to witness the system crumble, right? It's gotta fall apart before you can rebuild it back. I got I drew the tower card the other day in my my daily card. Yep. actually draw two. I draw two cards, right? So they can talk to each other. Thanks, Susan Chang. <laughs> For that suggestion, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. So uh, one one of the things about the tower card is it's often looked at as negative, right? But uh, there's there's lightning striking the the tower, right? And so when the air is full of lightning, right, wh- what is everybody's been out before or after a storm? like gets electrical, right? There's a lot of potential in in the air and. That potential is what's going to be used to build back, whatever was destroyed, right? That the tower. So, bad bad card in general, uh, I guess, is the is the consensus. But there is a silver lining to it, and that's uh, like that for I think every tarot card, right? Even the good, even the good cards, like too much sun can burn you. So.
1: Well, and it, I mean that just gets to the duality and polarity argument, right? Like, good and bad is just how you view it. So I mean yeah I the death card is is one of my favorites and I'm not scared of that reaper with the scythe at all right he's just the gardener and he's got to cut away all the dead stuff so that the new life can grow through much like that lightning storm you know a thunderstorm charges up the ions in the air and um you'll notice like everything greens up after the um thunderstorm because there's interacting with different particles in the air and the soil and uh just like you said it's (laughs) you gotta you gotta bring down the old tower or cut away the dead wheat right so that new stuff can grow in or build back so those scary archetypes i guess uh I've I've moved from fear to excitement when I see that stuff, because I know something new and better is coming in.
0: It reminds me of Freeman Fly's tagline of wonder without fear, right? There's no fear here. It's just just love, just gratitude. It's what we're all about here. And uh, speaking of spreading the love, there is a free service. That Derek offers on his website mysticalwares.com and it is based off of Royal Raymond Rife's uh, frequency technology right so he has a scalar energy device there in in his shop and he does a weekly group session for anybody that signs up uh, through his website and this week is just overall well-being and you can sign up for free, it's like going through the checkout process, but you're not actually uh, buying anything. And as it starts on Fridays around 11 a.m. my time. But uh, yeah, sign up for it. See, you can sign up for a text or an email reminder as well. So uh, if you don't want to set your own reminder, that's helpful just to take notice of uh, when it starts. And if you feel anything different, you know, if nothing else. It can be an interesting experiment. I've uh, been forgetting to sign up myself, but I'm going to do it this week because I have the page up and I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> so definitely uh, don't pass up that free uh, free energy uh, goodness there. And uh, be sure to, uh, to follow the show on our, our social media. I guess join the Telegram channel. That's really the only thing I'm doing right now. I do We do have uh, YouTube and Instagram so uh yeah give those a like and a follow subscribe to the podcast haven't been asking for anybody to share it yet so i'm going to change that and uh yeah, spread it uh, spread it around if you like what uh how we're running things here and uh you think somebody else needs to hear uh this piece of bread going back to the man search for meaning reference there i to not remember to call those, those guys over in england I'm going to talk about Victor Frankl a little bit I think that'll be a good that'll be a good third segment to do yeah we'll make that into a third segment I think but uh, yeah anyway naps until next time carpe Diem.